No greater love expressed, nor price paid than the death of Christ on the cross for mankind. And today, from the International Gospel Hour, let's look at the words of Jesus that were uttered from the cross and learn from the suffering Savior. Again, that's from the International Gospel Hour. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For almost 90 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour, starting now. I am bound for the promised land. Thank you to our J-Web and greetings to all of you. It's always good to have you join us for our studies together from the International Gospel Hour And today we want to begin from the Gospel of John, chapter 19. We're going to read the first 18 verses of this chapter. The Bible says, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king! But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. And two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Where they crucified him. Four simple words said it all, and it says it all today. The cross of Christ. The late Brother George Bailey, a beloved friend, penned one time the following, simply called, 
the old rugged cross. It was the most tragic event in history, yet it was the most wonderful thing that ever happened. It was the saddest spectacle mankind ever beheld, yet by it came the greatest joy. The old rugged cross was Satan's greatest victory, yet by the cross Satan suffered his most stunning defeat. The cross was the greatest exhibition of divine justice, yet it was the most wonderful demonstration of divine mercy. It was through the cross that God condemned sin, yet by it He forgave the sinner. The cross stands for God's hatred of sin, yet it was the greatest proof of His love for the sinner. The cross was mankind's greatest hour, yet it was the greatest of all lights. On that day the sun, the S-U-N, refused to shine at midday. But on that day the sun, the S-O-N, became the light of the world. What moving words! What wonderful inspired words of John to remind us of the price that was paid and the suffering that Jesus endured! And the kind words of the late Brother George Bailey to remind us of that old rugged cross. In a moment, we will return to the wondrous cross as we consider the seven sayings from the cross. But first, let's pause for about 30 seconds, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hello, friends. Miss a broadcast of Are You Listening? You can find previous broadcasts at our website, internationalgospelhour.com, and we are on several podcast platforms. Maybe we are on your favorite podcast site. Just search for International Gospel Hour, and you can find previous broadcasts. They are always there 24-7 for you to listen or even to download. And now, let's continue our study. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23:34. Here is one of the sayings that Jesus brought forth while hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, history states that many crucified would curse their parents, the executioners. Some of those crucified were so vile, they had their tongues pulled out by the roots. In this way, one must acknowledge the prayer of strength by Jesus. What strength and forbearance to say, Father, forgive them, those who had brought this upon him, for they know not what they do. Oh, dear friends, was not Jesus practicing what he preached when he reminded us in Matthew five forty-three through 48 how to pray for our enemies, how to do good to those that do us wrong, how if one wants us to go one mile, we go two miles? And when we think about Jesus and his great compassion and the very ones that did this to him, he died for them. Here we find a fulfilled prophecy of parting his raiment and casting lots, or some translations, throwing dice. Matthew 27, verse 35 tells us that this is a fulfilled prophecy, and we note that from Psalm 22 in verse 18. This, dear friends, shows us the power of the Word of God and how prophecy of old comes forth in the new. He made intercession, a plea for his transgressors. Well, that's what Isaiah said that Christ would do in Isaiah 53 and verse 12. Dear friends, this saying from the cross is so powerful. 
Let's look at another. In Luke 23:43, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now he is speaking here to one of the thieves, one of the criminals that were hanged with him, that was hanged with him, shall I say. In Mark 15, verses 29 through 32, we find that those that were crucified with him reviled him. Now did you notice that is a plural statement. They that were crucified with him reviled him. But when we note here in Luke's account what he says to the thief, to the criminal, in Luke 23, verses 39 through 43, we find that one of those crucified with Christ rebuked the other and said, We have indeed justly for what we've done, but this man has done nothing wrong, nothing amiss. And that's when he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, dear friends, is that a is that a contradiction, shall we say? No. It is evident that one thief, one criminal, had a change of heart and changed his way of thinking and his way of talking. Whereas at first he reviled him, he saw a change and saw the cross that could make a difference to him. Dear friends, we are reminded that as long as one lives, one has the opportunity to come to Christ. For in Matthew 11:28, Jesus said to them, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is like. Our light, rather. Come, take. You know, if we have the opportunity to come to Christ while we are living on this earth, we best move quickly. Because we have no guarantee of tomorrow. James reminds us in James 4 that our lives are but vapors here for a little while, then vanishes away. Now, this part of Jesus speaking to the thief on the cross brings forth some sincere questions such as, If baptism is essential, why wasn't the thief on the cross baptized? Jesus told him he would be with him in paradise. Dear friends, from the very outset, this is a valid question and worthy of all thought, so let's answer it. First, please recall the time. Christ, of course, was still living, and the law of Moses was still in effect. Baptism was not essential to salvation then, just like the animal sacrifices of old at that time are not done today. In Galatians 4, 4, the Bible says that Christ was made of a woman made under the law. Christ lived and observed the law as a Jew. He came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, Matthew 5, 17. But in fulfilling the law, it had to also be nailed to the cross, Colossians 2 and verse 14. You see, the law of Moses was called our tutor or our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, the little lad leader that once the law brought us to Christ, it had done its job. This is supported from Galatians three twenty-two through 25 Now, second, Christ's death was necessary for there to be a change in the law. In Hebrews nine fifteen through 17 the Bible reads, And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. 
For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. So the new covenant, being prophesied from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, and we note was fulfilled in Hebrews 8, 6 through 13, we know that it took the death of the testator, that being Christ, for this to happen, and Christ was still living because he spoke to the thief. Third, Christ had power while on earth to forgive sins, as such is said in Matthew 9 and verse 6 to the one taken of palsy. We see the same of the woman in Luke seven forty-eight through 50, and the woman taken in adultery in John 8, 1 through 11. Interestingly enough, dear friends, we do not hear questions concerning their baptisms, One readily recognizes Jesus' statement in this regard and how he could forgive sins. Could he not do the same for the thief on the cross? Jesus was still on earth. He was still alive on the cross. He spoke unto the thief, the criminal, and Jesus had the power to forgive sins on this earth. Number three. This is one phrase that usually, or shall I say two phrases, usually in one Woman, behold your son, and then son, behold your mother, John nineteen twenty six through 27 To paraphrase the late brother Guy in Woods, they took his possessions, but did not take his provisions. The teaching from the cross to remind us to honor our father and mother, as commanded in the Old Testament in Exodus 20 and verse 12, and to be fulfilled by Christ upon this earth in Matthew 5, 17, and to be reminded how we should honor our parents in Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3. Dear friends, let's gain a wonderful lesson here, that we should never forget the blessing of family. You know, there are more passages in First Timothy concerning taking care of parents than qualifications of elders or bishops in the local congregations of the church. We should never forget the blessing of family to honor our father and mother. Both my mom and my dad are gone now, and I did my very best on this earth to honor them and to see they had the greatest care, as my sister did as well. And that's something of which we do not regret. When Jesus looked down from the cross, he was more concerned of family than himself. What a beautiful example. Would you like to be more like Christ? I would. Let's think about another saying from the cross. From Matthew twenty-seven forty-six, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This statement is a fulfilled prophecy from Psalm 22 and verse 1. Oh, friends, how every sin of mankind was placed upon him, Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. And later in Isaiah 53 and verse 10, how the Father bruised or crushed him and put him to grief as he made him to be sin for us, as affirmed in Second Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Sin was placed upon this offering once for all, as Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 10, reads, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly, 
the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. The sin and the weight of life will cause us to cry out at times, just like Jesus cried out unto the Father. Dear friends, we are weak and we struggle, but yet we still know where the Father is. Jesus knew where the Father was, and the Father laid this sin upon Him in order that mankind not be forsaken. The words from John 19.28, as we look at another saying of Jesus, very simple, I thirst. This is another prophecy of old. From Psalm 69.21, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Well, you know, friends, this is a natural outcome and a reaction of the physical implementation of crucifixion. It's been known that a possible fever would rise because of the suffering upon the body, the strain and the agony, the nails that are put through that no doubt would begin infection or flow through the bloodstream. There was a tremendous thirst that came upon the one that was crucified. And the nameless hero that is here, who did something when nobody did anything, he responded to a small request. He did place a sponge with this upon a reed and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus tasted, he would not take it. But you know, here is one who did something. Did not Jesus remind us when he walked on this earth in Mark 9:41 that if you give simply a cup of cold water to drink in my name? You see, we can learn some interesting things from the cross of Christ. You know, this would be a study in and of itself, those that were around the cross. And actually, we are alluding to them with the sayings that Jesus brought forth upon the cross. And then in John 19.30, Jesus says these words, It is finished. Actually, friends, that's a one-word phrase in the original text that means perfect and complete. The physical sufferings are complete. The perfect work of the Father in sending Jesus was finished. For Jesus acknowledged in John 4.34 and John 9 in verse 4 that He came to do the will of His Father and to do His bidding. The scheme of redemption had been fulfilled, and the redemptive work of the Christ is done. That when He says it is finished, He has brought forth all that He could do as the Father sent Him forth. Dear friend, one day our work will be done. And remember, final words usually reflect the strongest area of the heart. Our work will be done. And when we say it is finished, can we say that we've lived a complete life in Jesus Christ? And now, the seventh saying upon the cross. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Luke twenty three forty six. Isn't it something how the first saying was to the Father, and the last saying is to the Father? And then we're reminded of the words from the Hebrew writer 
Hebrews 9.15, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. These words teach us how to live and how to die. As we walk on this earth, we allow the Father, that we allow His hands to guide us and to help us through the obedience to His word. And when we leave this earth, may we commend our spirit unto Him. Yes, friends, these words teach us how to live and how to die. Let's think on this. Friends, when we've talked about the cross of Christ today, we've looked at these seven sayings. Have we touched your heart to move you to look at this a little closer? We're going to pause and go back to our J-Web, as he will have a few words now about our free Bible study course available by mail. We would love to send this to you and let you begin work with this great study as you learn more about the Christ. Here is our J-Web. Friends, the International Gospel Hour offers for free a Bible study course available by mail. That's right. At your own pace, you can study the Bible in your own home. It's free. Give it a try. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. That's it. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Home Study in the message box. We'll send it right away. Thank you for your interest in the things that be of God. Dear friends, when we put all of these together, the seven sayings of Christ, how about this? May I have a relationship with God as my Father, for the word Father comes forth. May I have an attitude of forgiveness for all. Jesus said, forgive them. May I have greater pity and compassion from the words, for they know not what they do. May I lead others to Christ. Be with me in paradise. May I have respect for my family and do my best for them. Behold, May I cry unto my Father in moments of weakness. May I cry unto Him for strength. My God, my God. May I serve simply and easily when I hear, I thirst. May my life be one prepared for my Lord when it is finished. And may my life be one that my spirit is committed and commended to my Lord, both now and in eternity. How thankful we are that the one that died upon the cross taught us to hear and understand in Matthew 15.10. And that when we hear, we realize faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10.17, reflecting his command of faith in him, John 8.24 and Mark 16.16. To confess him before men as he commands in Matthew 10.32 and to see the life of Peter confessing Christ in Matthew 16 and verse 16. To repent of our sins as Jesus commanded in Luke 13, verses 3 and 5. And then his words to be baptized based upon our faith in order to be saved, Mark 16 and verse 16. 
to be added to the church that he promised to build, Matthew 16 and verse 18. Friends, these are all verses and sayings of the Christ. And if the thief on the cross will listen to Jesus and make a plea, then let us make a plea through his word and be obedient unto him as well. Dear friends, the seven sayings of the cross speak loudly to us to encourage us how we should live for Christ. We want to send you this free Bible study. We want to share with you anything that we can do to help you in your study. Please write us at Post Office Box 118, Fayetteville, Tennessee, 37334. If we can help you with study material, answer any questions, again, that's Post Office Box 118, Fayetteville, Tennessee, 37334. I'm going to pause once again for our J-Web with a few words about our work in our social media, then I'll come back and wrap up our broadcast today. Why not follow the International Gospel Hour on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and others. Please type International Gospel Hour into the search engine, and you can like and follow our pages to keep up with the latest news and efforts of our labors. We would be honored to have you follow us on social media. And now, back to Jeff. Dear friends, when we think about the cross of Christ, it is the one place and the only place that will redeem man, that old rugged cross. As we think about the sayings of Jesus Christ upon the cross, let us think on these things, and let us help you if we can be of aid in your study and your search for Christ. Once again, Please go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com. You can find out more about our works there. You can also call us at 855-444-6988, or as we like to say, 855-IGH-6988. We'd love to take your message. Matter of fact, give us a call and tell us where you're hearing our broadcast from. And let us send you our free Bible study as well. Thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour. We're going to continue our studies together another time. I'm honored you've joined me. And dear friends, I'm Jeff Archie. Thank you for being with me today, and keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. To God goes all the glory. And we hope that our study today will draw you closer to His Word to walk in His way. To listen to it again or other broadcasts, please visit our website at internationalgospelhour.com. God be with you.